Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our audio service for Sunday, the 8th of May. Wherever we are this morning, let's set aside this moment to still our hearts before God and to draw near to him in worship. In Isaiah 43, we read, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Let's pray. Loving, living God, we thank you for this new day, for this new week, full of possibilities. We thank you for this moment when we can come together for worship in church or at home, knowing that you are present with us. Lord, receive today our praise and our thanks as we consciously lift our hearts to you, as we turn our minds to ponder your glory and your majesty, as we incline our ear to you to listen, as with open hands and hearts we come to receive your love and to be filled. Thank you, Lord, for the newness and the freshness of all that you bring, for how you have blessed us in abundance with forgiveness, mercy, love, grace upon grace, and with resurrection life. Lord, give us fresh joy today. Give us a fresh appreciation today of the new wine, the newness of life that you have filled us with that we might preserve its essence, passing on this treasure to new generations, but allowing them a new way to evolve in your name. Help us, Lord, to shed the old wineskins of things that no longer serve us, that no longer serve our witness, that no longer give glory to you. Break us out of brittleness, that keeps us resistant or complacent. May we instead be constantly renewed and expanded by the joy of your presence, surprising us in ever new ways. May the wine of our lives outpoured be your love as a gift to all. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Well, our first reading, our reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5, and we're reading verses 27 to 39. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, 
and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. These days we're living in are times of tremendous change. Whether it's in the local election results of this weekend or in the big things going on in the wider world around us at a global level. Uh, but we can feel it in, in lots of little day-to-day things as well, in having to adapt, having to make changes. One of the revolutions that we're currently living through is the move away from the internal combustion engine to electric vehicles. Going back about 120 years ago, The first cars looked very different from what they do now, but essentially they were the same. They worked on the same principles of internal combustion. Now, electric cars are already all around us. Some of you perhaps are driving one. And while they look the same as other cars on the road, the way that they work is radically different, using not combustion engines, but battery-powered motors. Um, Completely different inside which hopefully will lead to much cleaner air for our towns and our cities, less greenhouse gas emissions. Changing technology has become part of our lives and we've all had to adapt. We find ourselves having to learn new skills and and having to unlearn old habits. And it's hard to imagine any generation before us has had to deal with as much change as we have in our generation although I'm sure there have been plenty of other times of great change right throughout history. When Jesus began his ministry, proclaiming with words and with actions and with demonstrations of divine power that the kingdom of God was now at hand, he was bringing something that would herald great change, that was radically different for the people of his day, something new in how people thought about and how they related to God. And like anything that stands out as being radically different, this very quickly began to attract a lot of attention. In the same way anything different or new attracts a lot of attention in our day in the media, 
everything that Jesus and his followers did attracted attention and began, began to come under very close scrutiny. He just called his first disciples. Slightly unconventionally, he chose an educated but hard-working fisherman. He publicly touched someone with leprosy, someone considered to be unclean by his society, and he healed him. He healed a, a paralysed man, but then immediately afterwards told him that his sins were forgiven. And that was something that only God could say. Now here he is, sitting in the house of a tax collector called Levi, with all Levi's tax collector friends, the most despised, distrusted of people, talking with them, dining with them. So already we see that Jesus has little regard for convention and he's actively including those who, who would not be part of polite society. And this attracted attention. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law come to Jesus' disciples asking in the stain, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And it's Jesus who answers them. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, he says, but the sick. He has come for the sick. He is the one who heals. He's the one who calls sinners to repentance. This is about forgiveness. This is about grace. This is about compassion. Things that the Pharisees, with their laws and their traditions, didn't seem to know very much about. They were so wrapped up in their concern for ceremonial cleanliness and adhering to rules and following rituals, whereas Jesus cared for people and for changed hearts. The new age is breaking in and forgiveness and grace is at its heart. Inner cleanliness came from a living relationship with God, from forgiveness, not from from following these dead external practices and religious traditions and rituals that over years and years have been added to and become a futile end in themselves. Can you see how new this was? How radically different from the religion of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? It was great news for those listening who themselves had always been counted outcasts who'd been excluded, never quite reaching the mark. They were being invited by Jesus to experience this something new, something living, just like he invites us to experience that something new and living and real. Nowadays, when you talk about something new, you know it won't be new for too long. It will always be superseded by something better, a newer model, which in turn, within months, will itself become old. But the new thing that Jesus was bringing in, and how we relate to God, was new and it's here to stay. A one-off transition, never to be outdated. What we're talking about is a new age, God's age, God's kingdom. And what we see also is Jesus coming under scrutiny, not just from the Pharisees, but surprisingly, maybe, from the followers of John the Baptist. John's role was to prepare the way for Jesus. He and his followers called people to repentance and they lived a very ascetic kind of lifestyle. They fasted regularly 
and fasting was something that was talked about in the law, done at particular times of the year. It was also a practice of the early church as a useful, powerful way of people devoting themselves to prayer. But for John's disciples, it was a very regularly, regular, maybe twice weekly practice, um, as it was for the disciples of the Pharisees. And they, they look and they see Jesus' disciples having a great time. Here they were fasting and praying while Jesus' disciples go on eating and drinking. Why aren't you fasting? Other people are doing it. Why are you not doing the same as everybody else? If you're really something special, surely you ought to be keeping all the religious laws. And Jesus simply says to them, well, this is not the time for fasting. The bridegroom is here. This is a time for celebration. Most people, when they're invited to a wedding, look forward to the nice meal at the wedding reception. Can you imagine being invited to a wedding only to discover when it came the time to sit down for the meal you were required to fast? It would hardly seem appropriate for such an occasion of celebration. Jesus says, look, you can't make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them. But there will be a time when he would be taken away from them. That was referring to, to Jesus' death on the cross. That will be the moment for fasting, he tells them. So Jesus, right at the beginning of his ministry, is coming under all of this scrutiny because he's heralding something new. It's not that he's done away with all that's gone before, but he cuts through all the religiosity, all of the human conventions, to bring people back to the heart of their relationship with God. He is the embodiment, the living fulfilment of what has gone before in terms of what was taught by the prophets and, and what was taught through the law. And he shares with us this lovely little parable of the patching new cloth on an old garment. They're pouring new wine into old wineskins. How do you sew new cloth onto an old garment? How do you pour new wine into old wineskins? It's a good question, isn't it? When we come to think about change. How do we, as a church, for example, cope with change? With something new and something different? Immediately, I can think about half a dozen jokes uh, related to Presbyterians and change. Sometimes the structures that we have in church, important as they are, don't lend themselves very well to change. How then are we to be open to the new wine, the new life that Jesus brings? In PCI, as we find ourselves with a decreasing number of ministers for congregations and Congregations that can't support a minister were learning that the structures of our church need to be seen not as ends in themselves, but viewed as just a means of advancing the kingdom of God. In other words, we need to be maybe a wee bit more flexible, a bit less rigid in how we view those structures. There are lessons to be learned from Jesus here. And maybe in our own congregation too, there are lessons that we can learn from Jesus' parable. Maybe in our our lives, for years and years, we've put too much focus on the things that were only ever meant to lead us to Christ rather than actually focusing upon knowing Christ himself. 
dry religious duties as opposed to living joyous relationship. Some of you might remember the days when people sewed patches onto old clothes. When we boys, especially, used to be seen with patches on their knees and the knees of their trousers. And some mums would have kept a pair of old, already faded trousers just for that purpose. It wouldn't have made sense to cut a patch from a new pair of trousers. It wouldn't match. And why wouldn't you just wear the new pair of trousers anyway? And when Jesus was, was talking about this parable, there, there was no such thing as pre-shrunk jeans or clothes that we buy today. So a new patch of cloth on an old garment would just tear away within a couple of washes. The other illustration Jesus gives is the futile action of putting new wine into an old wineskin. Wineskins were the common bottles of the day, made out of cowhide or goatskin, and their usefulness depended upon the, the elasticity of the material of the skin used. If new wine was placed into a wineskin, very quickly it would begin to ferment and give off gas, and so the skins would need to have that degree of elasticity to be suitable for carrying new wine. Over time, those skins, well, they lost their elasticity and became brittle and hard. And so what would happen if you put new wine into an old wineskin? Well, sooner or later, it would just explode on you. It would burst. In church, of course, we're, we're not dealing with old cloth and old leather. We're dealing with people. Jesus is saying, don't let your mind become like the old wineskin. But make a conscious decision to be a little more flexible and adventurous. Getting back to the automobile, Henry Ford, who set up the first automobile production line, is often quoted as saying, I'm not looking for a lot of people, or I am looking for a lot of people who have an infinite capacity to know what cannot be done. I'm looking for a lot of people who have an infinite capacity to know what cannot be done. To not know what cannot be done. Sorry, I think I've got that right. To not know what cannot be done. That's the kind of people who aren't old cloth or old leather. People who won't say, oh, it can't be done. Or nobody else does it that way. Or we've never done it that way before. But rather who will say with faith, anything is possible if the Lord is with us. Let's give it a try. If we all thought a little bit more like that, if our minds were a wee bit more open and flexible, then perhaps the wineskins wouldn't burst and the cloth wouldn't tear. And perhaps the people who say the old is better and despise the new would in time discover that the new matures to become the best of all. Amen. Let us come before God now with our prayers for one another and our prayers for our world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a peaceful election weekend. We pray for the coming days in Northern Ireland that you would give wisdom to our elected representatives. We pray, Lord, that they might be enabled to form a government. 
and to begin making the decisions and policies that are so important for all of us. We pray for young people doing exams at the moment they're preparing for exams. Lord, help them to be able to focus and to be motivated. Guide them as they revise and as they practice questions so that they'll be well prepared. And help them to be calm, but alert and confident when it comes to sitting the exams and to be able to recall all that they have learned. Lord, with the UN warning that the global price of food is at record high, partly due to the conflict in Ukraine, we pray, Lord, for those parts of the world that are especially vulnerable to these changes. We pray for the countries of the Horn of Africa and parts of the Middle East where the hunger crisis is worsening very rapidly. Lord, bless the efforts of Tear Fund, Christian Aid and, and other charities in alleviating hunger. And we pray too for a concerted global solution to tackle this crisis. We continue to pray today for peace in Ukraine. We pray for those still trapped underground in the steelworks in Mariupol, civilians and soldiers. Lord, we pray that they might be delivered to safety and evacuated. We pray for no more loss of lives, Ukrainian and Russian. Lord, let there be an end to this war, we pray. We pray for dialogue and for peace. Be with those who are ill at this time. We pray, Lord, for your healing. Be with those who are isolating or who feel isolated. Lord, just remind them of your love and care through family and neighbours and friends and church members. We pray, Lord, for healing and for strength and for your presence and for your love to surround them. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.